Welcome to POP, the sermon podcast for Peace Lutheran Church in Gehenna, with Pastors Doug Warburton and Tony Katko. Good morning, inside congregation. Good morning, outside congregation. Just feel like we had to do that. Hi, everyone. I love, I love being able to worship outdoors or seeing the outdoors. Isn't it nice on a day like this? It's great. So last week, Doug started out our new sermon series based on Paul Young's book, which is Lies We Believe About God. So if you get this book, there's a lot of other chapters we're not going to go through, and they're really short little chapters where he takes all of these assumptions that a lot of Christians have. We might not even say these things out loud, but a lot of us assume these things to be true about God, and he says, no, these are not helpful, and they're not true either. They're lies. So today's lie is God loves us, but doesn't like us. After Paul wrote his book, his big successful book, The Shack, he did a lot of speaking engagements. And one of those engagements, he was invited to come and speak by a group of inmates at a women's prison up in Canada. And so he did his presentation there with them. And then afterwards, he was signing books and talking one-on-one with people. And this one inmate came up to him and started sobbing uncontrollably. He said it was several minutes. She just couldn't even speak a word because she was so overcome with emotion, kept sobbing. And finally, when she was able to speak, she asked him this question. Do you really think Papa is fond of me? Now, Papa is like the God character in the book that he wrote. Do you really think that God is fond of me? And we said, yes, of course. She said, okay, that's all I really needed to know. Now, what's behind that question. It's a little different than asking, does God love me? Is God fond of me? Does God actually like me or not? You see, I think everyone, most people would say, yes, God is love. God loves people. God loves everyone. That's kind of what God does. It's God's obligation to love everybody. But then when you ask, but does God like me? What you're really asking is, is there something good within me? Is there something that is worth liking and loving within the core of who I am? Or does God only love me in spite of who I am? There was this article a number of years ago in the Christian Century And it described this encounter between a pastor and his friend, this pastor, uh, Will Campbell. And his friend asked him, okay, I'm friends with you. You talk a lot about the Christian message, but you use all these fancy long words, and I'm not that bright. So can you simplify it for me? In 10 words or less, can you tell me what is the Christian message? Now, before I tell you his response, I have to pause here because there are some young ears in the audience, and like a lot of young families these days, our family loves the show Bluey, and on Bluey, when the dad gets frustrated, instead of swearing, he'll go, ah, biscuits, which is great because now our kids, when something happens, you spill the milk, ah, biscuits, you knock something over, ah, biscuits. So this pastor, believe it or not, in his answer, used a choice word, so instead of that word, I'm going to say biscuits. So when he was asked, in 10 words or less, what is the Christian message? This pastor said, we are all biscuits. 
but God loves us anyway. We are all biscuits, but God loves us anyway. Now, there's something to that, and I think that that's a pretty common understanding among Christians. We are all horrible. We are all worthless. We are despicable creatures. There's nothing good in us. God loves us because God is love, but we are not good. Now, there's a reason a lot of people believe this. There's a partial truth there. I mean, uh, the Apostle Paul says in his letters, we have all sinned, we have all fallen short of the glory of God, and in the Bible, sin means missing the mark. We all miss the mark sometimes. And there is good news that God loves us in spite of the worst things that we may have done. But the worst things that we have done, that is not the full picture of who we are. <laughs> We're so much more than that. I love how Brene Brown talks about in her mind, the difference between guilt and shame. A lot of times we talk about them interchangeably, but she says there's an important difference between feeling guilt and shame. Guilt is focused on your behavior. And so when you feel guilty, that means you feel bad about something that you have done. Now, shame is focused on yourself. So feeling shame means you feel bad about who you are. Now, guilt can be useful. Having a healthy amount of guilt can make you act better in the future because you might say, okay, this thing I did, that was a bad choice and that's not who I am, so I want to do better to be more like who I am. But shame, if you feel that, it's like I am rotten to the core and there's nothing I can do about it, so why bother even trying to change at all? Just picture the difference between instilling a little guilt and instilling shame when you talk to children. So when a child does something bad, like all children do, you can either say, you are a bad kid. You are rotten. I don't like you. I wish you were more like your brother, but you're not. And so here we are stuck with you, this bad kid, instilling shame. Or you can say, that was a bad choice, but you are a good kid. So I know, because I know you, you are a good kid. You can do better than what you have done in the future. There's an important difference there. Hopefully, if you've been around the Lutheran Church long enough, you've heard this concept of saint and sinner. This was an important thing for Martin Luther, that we are both, all of us, not either or. We are both, at the same time, saint and sinner, and he got this, he didn't make it up, he, uh, he got this idea from the writings of the Apostle Paul, because Paul said everyone's a sinner, and he included himself in that. He said, sometimes I do the very thing that I know I shouldn't, and then I don't do the thing that I know I should do. That's who I am. And also, when Paul wrote to these churches, he said, to the saints, to the holy people, and he was talking to the whole church. So we are both saints and sinners. And sometimes we focus so much on the bad that we miss out on the good. And just think about the story of Genesis. Lots of people think, okay, Genesis, creation, there's the fall, fallen humanity. Yes, that's a part of it. But before that, it says that we are made in the image and likeness of God. You and me and everybody, we are image bearers of God. And then God looks at this creation, everything God has made, including us, and says, this is very good. Not this is perfect, 
but this is very good. God likes what God has made. There is something good in that. Who are we to disagree with God? You know, our mission statement at Peace that you hear at the end of our announcement videos every week or our announcement in person, if we have that, it's not something we made up. We just took it from Jesus. When he was asked, what's the most important commandment? He said, well, it's in the scriptures to love God and love your neighbor as yourself. So we say that's our mission, to love God, neighbor, and self. And that last part is important too. Yes, we are called to love God. Yes, we are called to love one another. But we are also called to love ourselves. Now, we all know, for some people, loving yourself is really easy. <laughs> and we know what that looks like. But that's not true for everyone. Sometimes loving what God has made, including yourself, it takes some work. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 139. I love this psalm, but the first time I really thought about it was when I was preparing for a funeral. I was at my last congregation, and this person was estranged from their family, but at some point they had attended Christ, or they had possibly been a member, but no one on staff remembered them. They probably hadn't been to the church in decades. But his sister was coming out of state to take care of the burial, and she knew that at some point he was connected, and so I did the service. But then I talked with her beforehand, and she told me that she hadn't seen him in years. And so she told me a little bit about their childhood, but that was it. So after a five-minute conversation, she said, now you know as much as I do about my brother. And it was heartbreaking. It was this feeling like, Nobody left, nobody knows who this person was at all. And so I was going through different passages of scriptures, trying to figure out something of value I could say about this person that I do absolutely nothing about. And then I came across this psalm. Oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from far away. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O Lord, you know it completely. And so it starts out, there's this really comforting message. God knows us intimately, even if no one else does. But then it takes it to another level. You hem me in, you box me in, behind and before, and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is so high that I cannot attain it. Where can I go from your spirit? Or where can I flee from your presence? It's like, I'm trying to escape you, God, and, and I can't get away from you. If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and settle at the farthest limits of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me and night wraps itself around me, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is as bright as the day, for darkness is as light to you. And so we get this picture from this psalm writer that God is hounding us. God is relentlessly chasing us down, which could be terrifying, but the psalmist has this deep trust that this is good news. That God is not coming to get us, to get us in trouble, but God is coming because God cares about our welfare. It's like when Jesus 
tells those stories about the lost and found. There's the father with the lost son and the woman with the lost coin and the shepherd with the lost sheep. Now, at the end of all of those stories, what do those characters do when they find what was lost? They rejoice. They throw a party. It's not like God is chasing us out of obligation. God is like, man, I wish I had better kids than you, but I guess since you're my kids, I got to find you. It's not like that. God throws a party because we bring God joy. So the next part of this psalm, this is what most people are familiar with. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works that I know very well. Now I was curious, what does that phrase inward parts actually mean? And so I looked it up, and in Hebrew it's the word kilyah, and kilyah literally means kidney. So it says, God, you formed my kidneys. And you may wonder, what on earth does that mean? So from this ancient mindset, the kidney was something even deeper within you than your heart. So it was like, this is the core of who you are. It, it was thought of that your kidneys was a way of talking about your conscience. It's that core within you that decides what is right and wrong. And so the psalmist says, God, you formed the very core of who I am. Now, of course, we don't always follow that core. We don't always follow our conscience, but it's there. It's like God formed this part within us, and it's good. And then the writer says, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are God's works. So at that graveside service, I was able to say, look, I, I didn't know this person who we're laying to rest, but I know that God does. He was God's child from the very beginning. And even if at some point in his life he tried to run away from God, God stayed with him, and God is with him still. This God who relentlessly chases after us, not like some angry judge, but like a loving parent whose children brings them joy. Which means for you and me, God knows us too, like all of it, <laughs> the good and the bad. God knows the parts that we would rather keep a secret and hide from everyone else. God also knows the beautiful, wonderful parts about us that we may not even notice, we may not even acknowledge, but God knows they are there and they are good. So as we sing together, Jesus loves us. Yes, of course, Jesus loves us no matter what. And there is something that is worth loving within you. Because you and I, we are fearfully and wonderfully made and wonderful are all of God's works. Amen.